Well, Jesus is risen. You know, it's still the Easter season. We still celebrate with such great joy the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first part of Easter, if you remember, the first couple of weeks, we had all of these resurrection stories where the disciples were encountering the risen Jesus directly. But then all of a sudden, those run dry. In the last four weeks of Easter, we don't have any more resurrection stories to give you. Sorry. But guess what? All hope isn't lost. We switched our theme to dominate quo vadis. Lord, where are you going? Such an important question that we have to ask because Easter is the answer to the question. Jesus makes it clear again and again. We hear it in these discourses. He's going to the cross. He's going to die and rise again. But the beauty of it is he never abandoned us. He never forsook us. He never said, no, I will not be there for you. No, in fact, he says, I will be with you always. And how wonderful that is to hear those words. But think about it. For some reason, especially in the most recent generations, something kind of came undone. And I think part of what came undone, it starts with the fact that we stopped asking, Domini, quo vadis? Lord, where are you going? I want to follow there. I want to be there with you. I want to get there with you, Lord. But that also then asks us to make a change in our lives. It asks us to do something a little bit differently. Because for us to follow the Lord means I can't follow my own will and desires. And so last week, as I mapped out, certain things have happened in recent generations that I believe made it much harder and more difficult for us to answer the question, Lord, where are you going? And those three things are pretty, pretty clear, I thought. The first, and these are, all, these are all my thoughts. This is, I didn't get this from somebody else. The mass exodus of the religious from our church in the 70s and 80s, and even into the 90s, left us without what I call the spinal cord of the church. The people who were always on their knees, praying before the Blessed Sacrament, and imploring the Lord to fill the church with his grace. We're no longer there. Now, there's still people who do come and pray, but it wasn't with that same consecrated system that they did it through. The second thing that I pointed out, I think, is also extremely important, and one we need to pay attention to, I think, even more and more, and it was a false ecumenism. Ecumenism being a good thing and trying to resolve some of our differences is good, but there was that false sense of ecumenism that left so many people thinking, there's no difference. Be a Catholic, be a Jew, be a Muslim, be anything. It's all basically the same in the end because we're just agreeing to disagree and, and there's, there's no one way and, and they're right and we're right and they have theirs and we have ours. And, and that sense of relativism was underlying the ecumenical movement to the point where many people just said, well, if there's no big difference, why do I even have to go to church at all? The last one, though, I think when it started to happen was so subtle that nobody would have paid attention or caught it. The last one that happened was what I want to call the overlaying of pastoral practices with social science. When we started to pay more attention to the psychologists and sociologists and stopped paying attention to what we as pastors, as religious leaders, you as followers, ought to have been doing. And that results in the need for a challenge. We need to be challenged in our faith, don't we? You don't come here and sit here day after day, week after week, time after time, to have me tell you, everything's okay. Don't worry about it. 
all your problems will go away. Jesus will just give you what you need. Because that's not prayer. Jesus says to the answer, I'm going to the cross. I am going to die. I am going to rise again. And so the automatic question that always follows up after I do that first part is what we have to deal with this week. Prayer. Prayer. You know, so many people say to me, you know, Father, I, I have to be honest with you. I, I, I do pray. I, I say my prayers, but I get nothing out of them. Now, like I said last week, if we are really truly praying, we will hear the voice of God speaking. And if we're not hearing the voice of God speaking, well, then we're really not praying. That's what prayer is all about, isn't it? A communication, a communion with God. And so people say to me, I, I don't know, please help me, Father. Help me to understand what I'm doing wrong, which is the wrong way to approach it. It's not what you're doing wrong, it's what you're not doing right. One of the things that I learned a long time ago in my own prayer is when I would come to God in prayer, I came with my pride. Have you ever come before God with pride? It's not a good thing to do. Let me, let me tell you right now, it's not wise to come before God and stand before God and tell God what he should be doing. But I used to be, I, I, and this is, this is the gauge, this is the gauge. When you come to pray, and your prayer is entirely, be, entirely feeling like it's a bartering with God, or telling God what he ought to be doing, you're not praying, you're demanding. And that's prideful. That's prideful. What Jesus is talking about in today's gospel, notice he uses a conditional phrase. If you love me, you will keep my commands. You will live in the spirit of truth. I've got some bad news for you all. The truth thing is pretty hard. You know why? Because it requires me to put aside my vision to try to see with God's vision. To put aside my own personal vision to try to see as God sees. And this is something we have to do daily, again and again and again. That's, that's the hard part of it. See, we think, like, you know, if I could just have that moment, if God would just speak to my heart, if I could just have that vision of the Blessed Mother, if I could just have that, then it would all be okay. And yet for every visionary that's ever been, it actually got harder after. Look at St. Paul. He had his vision on the road to Damascus. It didn't get easier. It got harder. Look at the children in Fatima. It didn't get easier. It got harder. I could go down all of these different places and times. And actually, when we start to really pray, what gets easier is the prayer. What gets harder is being humble. Recognizing I don't have it all figured out. Recognizing that I still need God to direct me and to tell me, this is where I need you to be. This is how I need you to, to live your life. The truth part of it is his commands are not burdensome, as he tells us, but we have to keep them all the time. Now, of course, we know the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, to love your neighbor as you yourself are loved. Those commandments are so important, but also, too, are all the other ones that we know about. And so when we come to prayer, 
Are we dismissing God's commands? And are we trying to convince God that we're justified in front of him? Because that's prideful. When we come before God and we basically say, you know, God, that whole thing that you said, thou shalt not kill, well, I don't think abortion's such a bad thing. So I'm just going to tell you, you got to change that. That's prideful. You know, Lord, that whole thing you said about greed and thou shalt not steal, well, I needed a little extra money and it saw it sitting there on the table, so I took it. What's the big deal? That's pride. And when I stand before God who just said, listen, if you love somebody, you couldn't steal from them. If you love somebody, you couldn't take their life from them. If you truly, truly were able to love as God loves, that wouldn't even be a question. If you love me, means that we have to be a little bit more humble, especially when we come into the church to pray. Sitting before the Blessed Sacrament is a wonderful thing. And I openly admit, I am terribly spoiled because for years, I don't even have to leave my residence to come before the Blessed Sacrament. We have our own Blessed Sacrament Chapel that I can go to. So when I'm in one of those really desperate moments and I really need Jesus, I just have to walk down the stairs. I admit it, I'm spoiled. It's a little tougher for you, but how hard is it really to stop in a church on a regular basis? How hard is it to find a chapel someplace that we can come and just sit and not just give God everything and just keep telling him what he's got to fix? Fix my child, fix my thing, get my... No, just come before Jesus and just say, Lord, your will be done. What do you need? Where do you need me, Lord? You see how in the Acts of the Apostles, they're showing up where they're needed, not where they want to go? Did you catch that? Oh, you guys haven't even received the Holy Spirit yet. Fine, let's get that done. We needed to be here to make that happen. That's how the early community lived. That's how we ought to be living, living by the Spirit, following where God is prompting us. Domini, quo vadis, will come with me and you'll find out. Trust me and I'll send you there. Our world needs to hear from Christians more than ever. And you're the ones that they need to hear from. Let the Holy Spirit prompt you let the holy spirit lead you let the holy spirit take you where you need to be ultimately when you get there my favorite favorite line from the second from the first letter of saint peter was in today's always be ready to give a reason for your hope do you know what the reason is for your hope jesus is risen that's the reason for your hope he went to the cross. He suffered. We all suffer. We all struggle. We all have our, our problems in this life especially. But what he did is he said, but when that all ends, I gotcha. If you love me and you keep my commands, you will be at peace with me for all eternity. If any one of you sitting here right now does not want to be in heaven when you die, I want to talk to you. Because if you came here and that's not your goal, then you didn't get the answer yet to Lord, where are you going, Lord? And so as we're wrapping up our Easter season, it's so important that we follow Jesus, not our own whims, not our own desires, not the worldly whims, not the worldly desires. We are called to be stepping out of all of that, out of the darkness, as St. Peter told us, into his marvelous light. And once in that light, the truth is so much easier to understand. Once in that light, the truth is so much easier to live. But as long as we come before God with our pride and that chip on our shoulder, as long as we come before him and say, Lord, you owe me, he'll never be able to lead you where you need to be.
So let's take the chip off our shoulder. Let's increase our humility a little bit. Let's change our lives. There's two things I'd like you to pray this week, and they're both listed in the bulletin. One is the litany of humility. If you haven't got it, it's, you can Google it. It's, it'll come right up. It's on all the different websites. The litany of humility. Pray that every day. I pray it every day because it helps to remind me that I need to be a little more humble. But there's also another great prayer called the Shushipe prayer. It's from St. Ignatius of Loyola. Very short little prayer. Lord, take my everything. Take everything I have. Take it, Lord. I humble myself before you. The great St. Ignatius of Loyola wrote that prayer, and nobody even knows it. Pray it every day. Start praying it, and let that become the fodder for how you come before the Lord. First with a litany of humility, and then, Lord, take my soul, take my life, take my all, take everything, because it all belongs to you anyhow. Say those prayers every day this week. Say those prayers for the rest of your life, and watch how God will change things. Yes, I will guarantee you, if you truly begin to pray and submit yourself to his holy will, it'll be a lot easier to follow him. You will hear him speaking to you. Might not be shaking the foundations of the building, but it certainly will be his voice clear within you as to what he's asking of you and where he needs you and what your destiny is in this life. And then it's a lot easier to discern, a lot easier to follow. Domine quo vadis? I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. Follow me, he says. Follow him. God bless you.